Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and my absolute favorite Kaluan is Quirrell Dox, better known as the super genius of the far future Brainiac 5. Kaluans are, of course, the super intelligent, green skinned humanoids hailing from the planet Kolu. And despite my puny sixth level intelligence, I love reading about Brainy and his adventures in the 30th and 31st centuries with the Legion of Superheroes, but I'll tell you, I found the only thing better than a story with one infamous Brainiac is a story with three infamous Brainiacs. On a previous episode of the show, I spoke about a story featuring a meeting between two of Brainiac 5's descendants, Superman Foe, original Brainiac, and his son, Vril Dox. This confrontation pulled in the Man of Steel and Dox's team of Galactic Law Enforcement for Hire Legion, that's L-E-G-I-O-N. But the story featuring the most cuttings from the Dox family tree was told in issues 11 and 12 of the DC anthology title, Showcase 96. Cover dated November and December 1996. This uh, Showcase 96 was the last of four year-long anthology series, the first being Showcase 93. These were generally a mixed bag, always a longer-length cover feature, usually around 18 pages and backed up by two 10-pagers. For a couple of those series, they tried themed cover features, so Showcase 94, the lead story, was a Batman-related 95 was the year of uh, Superman-related stories, and in the case of the 96 series, we got Superman family team-ups in the lead spot. And that's the case with the two issues I'll be recapping and commenting on in this episode. Superman character being Brainiac versus the Legion of Superheroes. Steve Lytle drew both covers, and they're great. Always love to see Lytle doing some Legion. He'd had a brief run there on the Legion in the early 80s. Along with Keith Giffen, I'd say helped define the look of the group in that era, though his work pace and methods found him doing more cover work than interiors. I kind of think of Steve Lytle in the same way I do Brian Bolland. I always felt like I wanted to see just as much of their work as I could. I've always been disappointed that there isn't more sequential illustration from these guys, but they've produced some, some really knockout covers over the years. That includes these two here. Uh, the cover to issue 11 shows a triumphant Brainiac brain-blasting the Legion. Brainiac 5 in the foreground, his head erupting with Brainiac 1's mental power. Same thing is happening to Legion allies Inferno and science police officer Siobhan Aaron, while Ultra Boy lies on the ground in complete agony. A very effective cover. This first chapter called Brain in Vain. It's written by Tom Pyre, who was at the time co-writing the Adventures of the Legion in one of their two monthly titles. It's so awesome to think that the Legion could support two books back then. It was penciled by Derek Aquin, inked by Jason Martin, colored by Dave Graff, lettered by Ken Bruzenak, and edited by Chris Duffy and Frank Pitteris. We open up at a remote Star Labs satellite facility 50 miles outside of Metropolis. The staff inside respond to some red alert security alarms. There appears to be an intruder. It's Brainiac 5. Now this is during a time in Legion history where half the team was stranded in the late 20th century. They spent just over a year, a thousand years in their own past, and they were there so long that they were able to help out with two DC line-wide crossover events, Final Night and Genesis. The story occurs somewhere between those two events. 
While trapped in the distant past, Brainiac V tasked himself with finding a way home, at times obsessing over it, and that's what he's doing here at the Star Labs facility. He's trespassing, <laughs> but he's doing so to seek out some useful material, some equipment. When the facility's automatic defenses kick in, ceiling-mounted lasers, wall-housed flamethrowers, uh, so does Brainy's personal force field. So these security measures have really no effect, and Brainy calmly continues his stroll, nose-deep in his electronic device. The sequence from 20-plus years ago kind of seems like a comment on today's society with the way we obliviously make our way walking, driving, riding the bus, buried in our smart devices. Well, flamethrowers and lasers don't get Brainiac 5's attention, but something he sees when he walks past a holding cell does. He stopped in his tracks as he sees the drooling, catatonic body of his distant ancestor, Brainiac. One. Brainy recognizes him for who he is, relying on surviving accounts, he says. And when his little device tells him that Brainiac's mind remains active despite his immobile body, Brainy thinks this find might be just the ticket he and his teammates need to get out of the century. Especially after breaking into the room next door and seeing a huge heap of Kaluan technology, tech he recognizes from his own time in the 30th century. Back at the main metropolis branch of Star Labs, which has functioned as a, a home and a base of operations for the time-stranded legionnaires, Cosmic Boy discovers Brainy missing. Considering Brainiac's single-mindedness, his general disregard for anything outside the scope of whatever his current project may be, and his history of risky experimentation, in Cosmic Boy's eyes, a missing Brainy, it, it ain't a good thing. He won't answer his flight ring communicator, uh, but teammate Gates uses a Star Labs computer to track Brainy's flight ring to this star outpost. Kaz calls a code green, which I think is kind of funny, and he rounds up the troops along with Gates. Fellow respondees are Saturn Girl, Spark, Siobhan Aaron, and Inferno. Ultra Boy and Apparition hear the call, but Apparition, much to her and Ultra Boy's surprise, mysteriously fades away. They are not going to make this mission. I was actually surprised myself that this little subplot thread made it into this side story. Uh, it would definitely be followed up on in the pages of Legion of Superheroes. Well, the team flies immediately to the Star Outpost and are greeted by a security team and Star Labs director Thompson. Security there has been hesitant to confront Brainy directly because their scans reveal really nothing, nothing more than that he's with Brainiac. This doesn't stop the Legionnaires, though, and Cosmic Boy uses his magnetic power to tear into the facility where they find Brainy and the still catatonic Brainiac. Brainy relates he'd like to somehow tap his ancestors' mental energy and vast intelligence in helping them get home. Now, Cosmic Boy is a little resistant to this idea, but the others convince him that they, being displaced here, could do as much damage, potentially, as Brainiac on his own could, so it's kind of in the universe's best interest to use any means necessary to get to their home century. Now, despite Brainiac 5's impatience and his snide comments, 
Saturn Girl uses her telepathy to scan Brainiac's mind. He's currently in a state of information overload, the result of his last confrontation with Superman. And it takes some effort to reach his consciousness buried down, 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 down deep. Brainiac 5 presses Imra for information about the familiar 30th century Kaluan technology he'd found nearby. But it's a revived Brainiac who answers, calling the tech worthless. But he's found some new playthings now. The Legionnaires leap into action, but Brainiac's telekinesis is too much. They're thrown around the room, and Brainiac remolds their surroundings into the familiar-looking Skull Starship, which blasts through the roof of the facility into space. Aboard the ship, all the Legionnaires have been rendered unconscious, apart from Brainy, who speaks with his evil ancestor. What is his plan? He presses again about how Brainiac secured 30th century Kaluan technology. Brainiac remains tight-lipped about that, but they are en route to Kolu, an idea Brainiac says he plucked from Brainy's mind. Also plucked from his descendant's mind, the idea to use the Kaluan tech to assume control of Kolu's military launchers and recast the planet as his power base. Which happens. Kolu's own weapons lay waste to government buildings, armories. Brainy makes the mistake of calling Brainiac stupid and is angrily cast aside as the starship lands on the now fiery wasteland of Kolu. Word of Brainiac's Kolu takeover reach Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N, the Licensed Extra-Governmental Interstellar Operatives Network, kind of outer space shield for hire, currently under the leadership of Captain Comet, who reaches out to the organization's retired founder, one Vril Dox. Comet, whose awesome mid-90s redesigned costume we only get a tiny glimpse of here, wants Dox to look into the Kolu matter, and Dox agrees, saying Kolu is his homeworld, and its conqueror is his father. And that concludes the first half of the story. It's a good setup. This is a story full of Brainiacs, and we get some good insight into two of them here. Brainiac, despite his huge intellect and great power, is obviously a little insecure and threatened by the genius of his distant descendant. And Brainy is brilliant and a true asset to the Legion of Superheroes, but his attitude, his single-mindedness can obviously get them into a little bit of trouble. He can be downright nasty to his teammates, in this issue, Saturn Girl in particular, and this isolates him. I love Tom Pyre's version of Brainiac 5, a real highlight of the reboot years, and in a short email interview I was thrilled to conduct with Tom Pyre last year, I asked him about Brainy. Tom wrote, uh, Brainy was my favorite. I'm glad you liked him. I tried to make the same point with nearly every story he played a major role in, that, that it's good to be smart, but it's not necessarily enough. You need other qualities, too. I don't know if I ever got the idea across, but I believed it, and he seemed like the perfect vehicle. Well, I think that idea comes across loud and clear in this story. The second part of, we will get right into. So 
Uncle Martin, I'm making lunch. Where, where's the, uh, what are you doing the soup out here? Tim, well, stop, stop, stop. You are about to step in front of my dimensional separator. Uh, another one of your kooky Martian inventions? Mm, just because your Earth mind can't cope with something doesn't mean it's kooky. This machine removes one dimension from any object, leaving it with height and width, but no thickness. Oh, come on, you're putting me off. I wouldn't dream of it. Ah, just what I was looking for. May I? Yeah. What is this? Some kind of a scavenger hunt? Very apt, Tim. Archaeology is a scientific scavenger hunt. You see, I want to take artifacts of your primitive culture back to Mars. By reducing them to two dimensions, I can carry an infinite number. Do you mean to tell me that I am going to be represented by a ballpoint pen? A, a, a paper cup? Well, it's your culture, Tim. Well, how about a half a hand sandwich? What's that for? Mm, that's my lunch. Oh. <laughs> All right, the second half of the story, sharing issue 12 of Showcase 96 with a Jesse Quick story by Mark Wade, Brian Augustine, and Oscar Jimenez, and a King Faraday Sarge Steele story by Stuart Immonen and Dick Giordano. Gosh, this issue makes for a really nice-looking package. Uh, the main story is called Roots. It's under another striking Steve Lytle cover, showing Legionnaire's Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, Gates, and Spark, joined by Vril Dox, all floating around a giant Brainiac head, which itself is surrounded by a massive amount of Kirby Crackle. The story opens up with a nice domestic scene at the home shared by retired... L-E-G-I-O-N founder Vril Dox, current L-E-G-I-O-N member Stealth, and their very young toddler, Lurl Dox. There's a knock at the door, and it's L-E-G-I-O-N member Taptree, who resembles a walking tree stump topped with a thick patch of leaves for a hairdo. Taptree is here to collect Vril Dox for their mission to liberate Kolu from the oppressive rule of Dox's father, Brainiac. It seems Taptree, the Legion officer Dox has specifically requested, has interrupted some pruning Dox has been doing. His passion in retirement is apparently botany, so this mission doesn't exactly get off on the right foot when Dox shows up to the door with a pruning saw. This freaks Taptree right out. Writing a humorous opening here. Also quite funny is the argument between Dox and Stealth about who's going to watch their son who was until recently a murderous tyrant. It's a long story, but the argument between Stealth and Dux uh, fills in some of the highlights. And this is all familiar ground to the creative team. Tom Pyre and penciler Derek Aquin were fresh off the recently canceled Rebels, which told the story of Dux and company on the run from the group he founded, Legion, which had been wrested away by his super-genius, evil infant son, Lurl. Obviously an early bloomer, Lurl was as manipulative as his father, but I'd say it took more after his grandfather in the, in the villainy department. Well, Lurl's mind was somehow devolved by the end of the Rebels series, so it's kind of scary-slash-cute to see him here innocently tear off a leaf from Taptree's head while his parents argue. On Kolu, Brainiac remains coy when pressed by Brainiac 5 about the 30th century technology that helped him conquer the planet, though he does express his intention to use the entire population of Kolu to upload his consciousness, and Brainy is to be his advanced scout linking minds with the planetary intelligentsia through the sleep net. In a Kaluan prison cell, Siobhan Aaron uses the arrogance of the guard on watch against him 
to free herself when the Legionnaire is held there, which allows Saturn Girl to track Brainy and Brainiac by following a mental trail to the most powerful brainwaves on the planet. Meanwhile, Vrildox and Taptree enter Kaluan airspace in order to evade the planet's Brainiac-controlled defenses. Dox whips out a handful of seed pods, which instantly grow into some thick, slimy tendrils which envelop the pair. Just in time, too, as their ship is hit and it explodes in the atmosphere. Planet side, the Legionnaires follow Saturn Girl's trail to the... I don't know, the presidential palace outside which they encounter a disturbance. It's a gaggle of Brainiac-influenced guards roughing up Vril Dox and Taptree, who had obviously made a safe planet fall in the protective tendrils of Dox's seeds. Legionnaires overhear Dox speaking out against Brainiac, so they take him for a friend. They offer to run interference with Brainiac's guards so that Dox and Taptree can confront the tyrant directly. Dox and Taptree enter the palace, see Brainiac hovering over the body of the still sleep net connected Brainy. The villain turns on his son with a wave of his hand, telekinetically binds Dox with metal and wire. But there's always a plan behind Vril Dox's methods. He brought Officer Taptree for a reason. And from a pouch on his belt, this was the 90s after all, Dox takes out a small test tube and cracks it on Taptree's barky skin. And immediately the solution inside causes the tree being's branches to grow uncontrollably, filling the room. And the branches push all of Brainiac's technology to the room's edges. Freeze Dox. Brainiac poo-poos this action, saying mere leaves and bark can't stop his machines. Though this disturbance causes young Brainy to stir and he sees his ancestor fighting through a direct brain blast from Brainiac. Despite what must be excruciating pain, Dox advances, and this determination inspires Brainy to act. Just as Dox collapses under the mental energy and verbal beratement of his father, Brainiac 5 snaps a Louisville slugger-sized branch off of Taptree's body and BOOM! Hits the back of Brainiac's head like an 89-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle of the plate. Brainiac himself reaches for a branch, as does a revived Vril Dox, and there's this brilliant page where three of the brightest intellects in the DC Universe spend five panels beating the crap out of each other with makeshift clubs. No smarmy dialogue from Brainiac. In fact, the only thing any of them can muster is a... That's with two H's, two A's, and three R's. Or a with, of course, three H's, a U, and two N's. It's a wonderful scene that Pyre and Aquin spend completely subverting the reputation of the Brainiac Dynasty, where the two younger doxes beat the bad guy not with their minds, but with sheer brute force. On this little detail, it seems, real dox would like to keep to himself as he tells a freed Kaluan official after Brainiac has been reincarcerated, that it was a, quote, real battle of wits. And the Kluin seems genuinely grateful for his planet's liberation, but anyways, drops a bomb when he tells Docs he must now leave the planet forever, saying there's no place here for Brainiacs. And seeing the risk of what such a dangerous mind can accomplish on Kolu, along with the Planetary Council, 
has voted to ban all future technical development in favor of pure research. Now, this shocks Brainiac 5 as it solves the little mystery of the tech he'd found. He assumed it was from the 30th century because he recognized it as contemporary to his home time. He had no idea his culture was in the midst of a thousand-year-long period of developmental stagnation, one he had helped cause by freeing his evil ancestor Brainiac. Getting a ride back to Earth with his Legion teammates, Brainy is consoled, I guess, by Vril Dox, who basically says, what's done is done. The question is, what do you now do about it? And we're told that this is to be continued in the pages of Legion of Superheroes, where Brainy would go to some pretty dangerous lengths in computing a way back to his home century. I like the story a lot. It's a great Brainiac 5 spotlight. Uh, in the scheme of things, not much of a Legion of Superheroes story, uh, but it did provide some pretty interesting insight into Brainy's character and into the branches of his family tree. The scene where the three Brainiacs duke it out with big sticks is absolutely priceless. And the Twilight Zone type ending where Brainy finds he's ironically responsible for stunting the development of his civilization makes me want to put this right up there with the most important Brainiac 5 stories in Legion history. And here it is, tucked away in this little anthology series. As I said earlier, Derek Aukwin was a good choice to draw it, as familiar as he was with the L-E-G-I-O-N characters. His Legionnaires were pretty much on point, and he pays a great deal of attention to detail, down to Vril Dox's tied-off pinky finger on his glove. He'd lost his pinky digit a bit before this story in the pages of Rebels, but I'm pretty sure that injury was wiped away from history after this story. In fact, I think this is Vril Dox's last lead character-like appearance for quite some time. He'd pop up in small roles here and there, but be more than 10 years before the second volume of Rebels, where Tony Bedard wrote a, a great docs. Anyway, I'll be putting some images from these stories up on the blog, imthegun.blogspot.com, where you'll find some contact info. I think I'm most often found on Twitter, should you want to talk any more uh, Legion, or Legion, or Brainiac. Uh, I should probably take this opportunity to thank some folks who helped promote my two contributions to the recent Best Event Ever blog and podcast team-up celebrating the 25th anniversary of DC Comics' 1992 crossover event, Eclipso, The Darkness Within. Uh, first, a very special thank you to Chris Sheehan of the blog Chris is on Infinite Earths, co-host of the Cosmic Treadmill podcast, for helping me out with the episode covering Eclipso, The Darkness Within number 2. And uh, things just wouldn't be the same without the following people helping to spread the word. Tweets promoting my Eclipso episodes got likes and retweets from fellow Best Event Ever participants uh, Chris and Reggie from the Cosmic Treadmill podcast, Joe Crawford of the Tumblr for the Non-Discerning Reader, Karen Williams of the Between the Pages blog, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, and Rolled Spine. Further likes and shares came from Avatar of the Green, Bill Bear, Caleb T. Boyd, Charlton Hero, Chris from Bat Books for Beginners, Greg Arujo, 
Jeffrey Brown, Justice's First Dawn, Larry Boyd, Larry Looper, aka VixSage2005 on Twitter, Laurel, aka Mountainflower on Twitter, Longbox Crusade, Martian Lobotomy, Matches Balone, Michael Mashi, Paul Hicks, Darren and Ruth Sutherland of the Rad Network of Podcasts, Ryan Bauer, Son of Cthulhu, and Terrence Castingway. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. And until next time, LOL, live on Legion. Today's society with the way we obliviously, obliviously, dang, obliviously make our way.